Well, good morning to each one and greetings in Jesus' name. For a message today, I want to consider the subject of Christian accountability. Now, the word accountability means the fact or condition of being accountable, responsibility. Accountability is essential for any society to function. And Christian accountability is really no different. We are held accountable in one way or another. For an example, there are laws to obey, and if we fail to be obedient, we may have to suffer the consequences set by the officials who hold us accountable. I was reminded of this fact several weeks ago in the town of Harrisonburg, Virginia, there is a short little road named Erickson Avenue. And those of you that are from Harrisonburg, you know that little road connects Route 42 to Route 33, goes right up there by the Bria School, right? Recently, I found myself pulled off along the side of that avenue. Along with another car adorned with flashing blue lights. <laughs> I was told by the driver of the other car, the po policeman, like we have been taught to say, that in a short distance I had passed several signs that boldly declared 35 mile per hour. I was traveling, he said, a consistent 49. And I thought, well, at least I was consistent. <laughs> but needless to say, I was held accountable for my actions. Here you go. I got a court date in Rockingham County, September 11. And so accountability is simply being responsible for one's actions. Every individual is responsible for his or her behavior. The Bible is very clear when it comes to personal accountability. Romans 14:12 says, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Today I want to show you from scripture that every person Christian or non-Christian is accountable before a sovereign God. In the future, at another time, another date, we will consider our need for personal accountability as well as practical aspects of being accountable one to another. And that may be one sermon, that may be two. I originally thought I was going to do all this in one sermon but uh, due to different circumstances and also through prayer, it became clear to me that this is too big of a subject to put into one sermon. And so today we will focus on the fact that we are personally accountable before a sovereign God. Now, I don't know how the word accountability strikes you, but the word accountability may scare some of us more than we'd like to admit. And I'll have to say right here that I am one of those persons. 
one of those people. When it comes to accountability, especially when it goes beyond being accountable to God, I'm a little gun shy. And I think some of you know what I'm talking about. But I trust that by the time we are done looking at this subject, you and I, that any fear and resistance will get replaced by, by motivation. And so that is my prayer and my desire as we look into this subject. The stark reality of scripture is that every person is first accountable before a sovereign God and will one day have to bow before Christ. And so the foundation for Christian accountability is that we are first accountable to God. And I trust that you can get that point this morning, that the foundation for Christian accountability is that we are first accountable to God. That's where it starts, that's where it builds, and that's where from there it goes on. Now regardless of what society says, the Bible tells us that we are not a free agent. For those of us who are saved, God holds double title to our lives. First, he made us, so he holds full ownership rights to you and I as creator. Second, he saved us. Through the work of Christ on Calvary, we can be redeemed unto God or bought back. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so let's get that, that fact straight here at the beginning, too, that we are not a free agent. We are accountable to God as, a, as our creator and as our savior. Let's begin by looking at several foundational scriptures that will show us that we are accountable before a sovereign God. And I'd like for you to turn to these with me. And these verses will make it clear to us and help us understand our accountability before God. So let's begin with Romans 14, 11 through 12. Romans 14, 11. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll look at verse 9 through 11. Philippians 2 verse 9, therefore God also has highly exalted him, that's Jesus Christ, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Let's look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, 36 and 37. Matthew 12, verse 36. But I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will give account of in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. The words of Jesus. Let's look at the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Verse 9 and 10. Ecclesiastes is that little book right before Song of Solomon right in there. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from your heart, and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. The words of Solomon. And now let's move over to Psalms, Psalm 139. And I'll read verse 1 through 8. Now this scripture has a little bit different twist than what we were looking at. The first set of references had the thought of how God will hold us accountable and bring us into account. Now notice these verses. Uh, the, this set of verses, scripture brings out the fact that how God knows and sees and knows all about what is happening here on this earth. And so um, let's begin at verse one of Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot obtain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. And so these passages of scripture teach us that man is accountable before an almighty God. Nothing on this earth is hid from the eyes of God. And so one day, God will bring every person into his holy and eternal presence, and he will ask us for an accounting. We will give account for the decisions and the actions of our lives. The feeble excuses of men will not suffice when we are called to account before the Almighty. You know, I tried to explain to the officer 
Um, maybe my family can help remind me what all did I say. But I, I, I wasn't paying attention. I was on a road that I don't know if I ever traveled before. Um, I missed the signs. You know, my family in here, you know, I did say that. But, but I, I, I tried to be really, really nice. You know, the really, really nice. I pulled out all the stops. But I was held accountable. I was held accountable for my actions. The Bible is filled with stories of men and women who tried to pass the buck. You, you're familiar with that expression. <laughs> it starts right in the, in the beginning. Adam tried to blame Eve after he ate the forbidden fruit. When brought into account, he said to God, the woman who you gave to be with me. It was her, but it was also kind of you, God. You, you gave her to me, you know. She gave me of the tree, and I ate. And then Eve tried to blame the serpent. Eve became the first person to use the phrase, the devil made me do it. When brought into account, she said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Aaron made an image of a golden calf. You know how that story went? Moses left, and Aaron was there alone. When Aaron was brought into account by Moses, he tried to blame the people. You know, Moses, you were gone, and the people, the people, they brought me this gold and, and, and gave it to me, and, and I just threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Saul did not utterly destroy enemy property like God had said. When Saul was brought into account by the prophet Samuel, he too tried to pass the buck. But the people, Saul said, the people, they took of the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God, Samuel, your God. You see, he was, he was trying to pass that on. As creative as some of these excuses may seem, not one was acceptable. And we could go on. Ananias and Sapphira could not shift the burden of guilt. Together, they lied to the Holy Ghost and were accountable. When David sinned with Bathsheba, he paid the price. He was held accountable for his actions. No excuse would save him from God's judgment. The list could go on and on, but whenever men and women transgress God's law, there is always a penalty attached. You see, here's, here's the dilemma. Here, here's how it is. When individuals cannot admit they are wrong and will not repent and seek God for forgiveness, at the same time, God cannot forgive sin until it's confessed. And we're talking about knowing sin. This shows us how important it is for mankind to bear responsibility for their own sins. God's sense of justice prevents him from providing his mercy to the unrepentant. 
The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every man and woman of Adam's race stands guilty before Almighty God. However, the Bible also says in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so this morning, we do not need to fear our accountability before God if we take responsibility for our behavior. If we sin, we admit it. We take responsibility for it. We confess it. We turn from it. We make restitution if necessary. God stands ready to offer his mercy and his forgiveness. I'd like to show you some verses in Psalm 86 to help us understand our Heavenly Father. You know, I love that, that picture of the Father in the story of the prodigal son. You know, the Father there, he left his son go his way. But he was right there when that son turned around and wanted to make restitution. That's our Father. And notice these verses here in Psalm 86, 1 through 7. Bow down your ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am holy. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. Rejoice the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of trouble, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Isn't that a beautiful set of verses there as we think of our accountability before God? You see, all people will stand accountable before the Almighty God, who is good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon him. That's our God. Daniel Webster once said, my greatest thought is my accountability to God. Mr. Webster obviously spent time meditating on the clear words of scripture. You know, I believe it would do us well, like Webster, to spend time meditating on verses about our accountability before God. Like Mr. Webster, we will conclude that we are not our own. We will conclude that we are bought with a price. Therefore, we will glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which is God's. It is said that Daniel Webster's last words were simply, I still live. I still live. 
As I pondered those three simple words, I thought, what fitting words for a person whose greatest thought was my accountability before God. I still live. You know, when I thought of that, I thought of those verses in Matthew 25, 31 through 36. You don't have to turn there, but let me read them to you in light of Daniel Webster and his testimony. But Matthew 25, 31 says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate from one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. I thought about this set of verses as I thought about Mr. Webster and his greatest thought being his accountability before God. And I would say this, this group of people in this scripture here, is it possible that that was their greatest thought, their accountability before God? And you see, you see that blessing come. Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared to you from the foundation of the world. And so, Daniel Webster, his last words of, I still live. What was he seeing? Was he hearing that come? I don't know, but I was, my, imagine, my imagination got kind of carried away with that thought of what was he seeing? But to those who understand their accountability before God, to those that care about their accountability before God. There's a blessing. Let's go on to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to somewhat conclude with this, this passage, 2 Corinthians 5. I want to read 1 through 11. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, our body, this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but farther clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared for this very thing is God, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. 
for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I trust are well known in your conscience. Here in this passage is where Christian accountability begins and continues. There are many good things in this passage that we could comment on. Some of them we already have. But I want you to notice verse 11. Verse 11 says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. What do we know? What do we know? Well, we know that every person, Christian and non-Christian, is accountable before a sovereign God. As I said earlier, the foundation of Christian accountability is that we are first accountable to God. That is the foundation on which we persuade men. That is the foundation on which we practice accountability among ourselves. If we miss the concept that the foundation for Christian accountability is that we are first accountable to God, if we miss that concept, accountability among ourselves is not going to be effective. It won't work. Any attempt will be short-lived and soon will fizzle out. But that's another sermon. And so we'll call for a closing song.